Thank you, JT, singers, musicians. Beautiful, beautiful song, too. Words are great. Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 38. I'm in a series that I entitled Unseen, The Unseen World. And so I had planned to continue that series this morning. But because of what happened in this past week, I've decided to hold off on the rest of that series, at least for a couple of weeks, and talk about this passage that may have a bearing on what we're seeing in the world today. Uh, I hope you find it interesting. I certainly do. So today we're going to talk about Russia and Armageddon. Is what we're watching on TV, does that fit into biblical prophecy in some way? I want to attempt to answer that question at least somewhat in the next two weeks. Well, with that said, look at uh, just verse 1 and 2. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying... Now, this is Ezekiel, of course, and the word of the Lord comes to him. He's a prophet. God speaks directly to the prophets. They write it down so that we have in the Bible the word of God, the prophecy. And here, God is speaking directly to Ezekiel. And he calls him in verse 2, Son of man, set thy face against Gog and the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them. Now, I'm going to say a little more about this in a moment. But just so we know up front, most evangelical biblical scholars believe that Magog is Russia. And Gog is whoever is leading Russia at the time. Gog is not a personal name, it's more of a title, like a czar or a Kaiser or in uh, uh, Egypt, the Pharaoh. Uh, so whoever is leading Magog or Russia at the time, he is uh, Gog at, at the time when these events take place. Pray with me, please. Father, thank you for our time together today. Speak to us through these ancient words inspired by you, written down by Ezekiel, that one day will come to pass just like all the rest of the prophecies of this great book of yours. Speak to us now, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we all know, last Thursday on February the 24th, Putin and the Russian army invaded Ukraine. It was the first time there had been an invasion of this scale since 1939, which of course led to World War II. And uh, Europe was at peace. And that peace was shattered by Putin and his war machine. We've all been watching the news, I'm sure. And we've seen many of these things. It's not my purpose to talk about what should be done over there or political things. My purpose is to talk about how it fits into prophecy. 
and uh, what we might be seeing as far as prophecy is concerned. But when some of the reports coming out says there's at least 198 dead, that's confirmed dead. There's estimated that number is bigger, at least a thousand or more wounded. People are leaving their homes. There's 250,000 that have already left Ukraine to go into other bordering countries, most of them into Poland, and they'll become refugees. They don't know for sure where they're going. Most of them, they don't, they don't know where they're going or where, what they're going to do when they get there, how they're going to eat or how they're going to sleep or anything like that. They're fleeing the armies. The borders, you may have seen the reports where the borders talk about tearful goodbyes, hugs and kisses and tears. The men taking their wives and children to the border and then saying goodbye as the women and children leave and all the men 18 to 60 have to go back into the country and take up arms to fight the Russian war machine. Now try to imagine with me for a few moments. You probably saw the women and children down in the subway, try, you know, underground, trying to get away, uh, trying to get to the safest place possible maybe. Think of, think of what they're going through. Think about the men of Ukraine who've never had any military training and they might be doctors or lawyers or they might be store clerks or they might stock the, the uh, uh, grocery stores. Now they've got rifles in their hands and called upon by their country to defend and to go to war. It is a scary situation. They estimate that that 250,000 that has left the country will become as high as one to five million people fleeing the country that will be refugees, maybe living in camps and tents and so forth in neighboring countries. We certainly need to pray for the Ukrainian people. And I want to stop right here in my message and pray. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we can only try to imagine the tragedy these families are feeling. Real families just like us. They have children, little children. They have teenagers. They don't know if their homes and country will be destroyed or they and their families' lives will be taken. We pray for them, for your protection for the innocent that are in the path of this war. We pray for those men who take up arms to try to defend their country. We pray for your protection, and we pray that you'll bring an end to this. We ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, I want you to look at a map. I know you've seen plenty of wonderful maps on TV, but my map is, is going to be talking about uh, the War of Armageddon. You notice I use the term War of Armageddon instead of Battle. Usually you hear the term Battle of Armageddon, and there certainly will be a final battle, but I think the war will last three and a half years, and it'll climax in that Battle of Armageddon. We'll see more about that in a few moments. But here's, here's what we know is going on today. Here is the Ukraine, and uh, here is Russia. 
And in Bible prophecy, everything rotates around Israel. Israel is right over here where that star is. So that's kind of the beginning and what's going on right now, Russia invading Ukraine. We'll, see, we'll look at that map again in a few minutes and uh, fill in some, some prophetic things that are going to happen in the last days. Now, the word Armageddon is only used one time. Notice here it says, and again, you, in order to understand Ezekiel 38 and 39, you need to have a good grasp of the book of Revelation. They are certainly companion uh, books, uh, and uh, they help us understand. They, they help us understand both books. And it says here that uh, the spirit of devils working miracles will go forth into the kings of the earth and the whole world to gather them into the battle of the great day of God Almighty. The great battle. Uh, and the whole world, the armies of the world. And then it says, and he gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. That's really the only time the word Armageddon is used uh, in the Bible. But it's referred to many times, like the uh, verse 14 refers to the battle as the great day, the battle of the great day of God Almighty. Many places the Bible talks about this war, but uh, here it is called uh, Armageddon. So... Uh, the word Armageddon itself simply means the valley of Megiddo, and that will be the center of Israel when the battle takes place there. It'll actually cover the whole uh, holy land, but this valley of Megiddo will be in a kind of the centerpiece, if you will. Now, go back to verse 2. I want to pick up those two names, Magog and Gog. Who is Gog and who is Magog? I said to you earlier that uh, most evangelical scholars believe that uh, Gog is, uh, Magog is uh, Russia and Gog is the leader of Russia. The word Magog means the land of Gog. And again, Gog is a generic name, maybe like a Kaiser. And uh, so... Uh, we have these, these uh, right now, we would say, if Russia comes down and attacks Israel and this, this scenario plays out, Putin would be Gog. But we can't say Putin is Gog. Putin might die in the next two weeks and there'll be a new Kaiser or a, or a new leader in Russia. And then there may be another one and another, and depending on how long the Lord... Uh, is in coming back. So Gog is the leader, if you will. If you, if you put your finger on Israel and go straight up the map towards the North Pole, you go right through Russia. You actually go right through Moscow, the capital of Russia. And in this passage... We're going to see it's going to say 
three times that this enemy is coming from the far north. Russia is exactly north of Israel. And it's far north. It's as far as you can go. The word far, which in the King James is translated uh, uh, parts, northern parts. Or, uh, and, but it means far the furthest or the end, the far end. So, uh, it's described then in the context of, of being the far north. But some great historians, even back at the time of Christ, for instance, the historian Josephus, he said that uh, Magog was between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea and north of that, which, of course, is Russia. Russia's between the two seas and also north of those seas. Even 500 years before that, 500 years before the time of Christ, Herodotus it was a Greek historian, and he said that uh, this Magog was the, uh, what we call today Russia. And again, one of the church fathers, Jerome, just 200 years after the time of Christ, said the same. So there is good um, evidence for believing that this is Russia and the leader of, uh, of Russia, modern Russia. There are some, so be careful what you read online because I have, today I'm standing on the shoulders of some great men like Dwight Pentecost, John Wolverd, Charles Ryrie, H.L. Wilmington, Erwin Lutzer, John MacArthur, David Jeremiah, Warren Wearsby, the Bible, Moody Bible Institute, Dallas Theological Seminary, and so forth. I'm standing on their shoulders because they all agree that this is Russia and the leader of Russia. But if you go online, you don't know what you're going to get. You might get something from, uh, you know, some kind of religion or denomination that just started up two months ago. And uh, or you might uh, come across uh, something that is from the Mormon church or the Jehovah's Witnesses and on and on it would go. One I read said they thought that, that uh, Gog is the Antichrist. But you'll see in our study that Gog is not the Antichrist. The Antichrist will be the head of the Western Empire of which America is a part. And this is the um, leader of the Northern Alliance. So, um, identifying those two, and I'll come back and kind of diagram these names for you. Jump down to verse 5. These are the ones that are going to be in alliance with Gog and Magog, Persia. That today, of course, is Iran. But ancient Persia was larger than Iran. It covered Iran and Iraq and, and part of Afghanistan. 
And, uh, and then Ethiopia, if you have a King James Bible, it'll say Ethiopia. If you've got a newer translation, it'll say Cush. It's the same, it's the same thing. The King James simply translates it into Ethiopia. And then you have Libya. And again, if you've got a newer translation, that will say Put. And again, the King James translates Put as where uh, Libya is today. Verse 6 says, Gomer and all his bands. Some people have thought that Gomer was was uh, Germany, and there's some good thought about that, but probably Gomer is uh, in what we know today as Turkey. And then the house of uh, Tagarma. Tagarma is also in Turkey. And notice they're from the fourth, or this whole group is from the north quarters. That word quarters is the word according to Zodiates, the Greek dictionary, uh, to the far end or uh, to the far part, far away part. The, the Amplified translates it to the uttermost part of the north. The New King James translates it far north. So three times we're going to see that term used, far north. Again, far north, can't get any further north than the North Pole, and of course no one living there, you come down from the North Pole, you're in Russia. So that is the far north. Now, uh, let's see, what, what's the last part of that verse says? And his bands and many people with thee. There will be all of the people coming are not given uh, to us, uh, not completely. Uh, let, me, let me jump down for time's sake, maybe. Well, let's look at verse... Uh, eight. After many days thou shalt visit in the latter years. So this prophecy is going to take place in the latter years. Thou shalt come. He's speaking to Gog. Thou shalt come. Gog shall come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people. That's Israel. Israel become a nation in 1948. They were gathered from all the peoples of the earth in 1948. They're back in the land and then against it says against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste but it will bring forth out of the nations and they shall dwell in safety all of them now dwell safely that's going to be mentioned three times as well the far north three times dwelling safely when this happens they'll be dwelling safely and it's mentioned three times now, I'm going to kind of read through quickly, but please follow with me. Thou shalt ascend, that is thou, uh, Gog, and, and his federation of armies, and thou shalt ascend like a storm, and shalt be like a cloud to cover. Uh, picture all those tanks and armored cars coming from these countries down towards Israel, and it's like a huge cloud. A storm is coming and a huge cloud rolling upon the land. Thou and all thy bands, that means all your uh, alliances, and many people with thee. Thus saith the Lord God, it shall also come to pass that at the same time shall things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think 
an evil thought, or you shall think evil thoughts. That is, they're, they're coming out of pure evil in what they're doing. Verse 11, And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. Now this is what, uh, this is what Gog and his group are thinking. We will go, uh, go up to the land of unwalled villages. That is, they don't have protection around them. I will go to them that are at rest and dwell safely. There's the second time you see dwelling safely. All of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates. Now let me mention here, I think the reason Israel is at peace and at rest and safe and at a play time of safety is because the Antichrist, according to Daniel 11, will make a covenant with Israel for seven years. And he's the, he's the strongest leader in, in the world at the time, and he's guaranteeing Israel's safety. And uh, so there, that gives us some insight when this will take place. Because they will be safe the first three and a half years of that uh, contract. And then the last three and a half years will be chaos and war. And then it says, They're coming to take a spoil and take a prey to turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited and uh, upon the people that are gathered out of the nations. That's again the people of Israel which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. God's blessings are upon them. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions or all the young leaders, uh, world leaders, leaders of the different countries of the world. The young lions thereof shall say unto thee, Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered a company to take a prey, to carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle, goods, and to take a great spoil. The world will see them as doing this because they are trying to gain great riches. Probably they will do it because Russia hates the West. Russia hates America. Russia hates Europe. Russia hates, and I'm, I'm not talking about the Russian people as such. I'm talking about the, the Russian government and its leaders. And... Uh, and the war, I think, will be out of that as well. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto God, Thus saith the Lord God in the day when my people of Israel dwelleth safely. There it is again. There's a third time. Thou shalt not know it, and thou shalt come from thy place out of the north parts. Parts, remember, means the far end of something the far end of the north, the utmost uh, of, the, of the north. Thou and many peoples, that's his alliances, with thee, all of them riding upon horses, a great company and a mighty army. Now, why does it say they're riding horses? Will they literally be riding horses? Uh, that's possible, I guess, and there's some speculation on how that could come to pass, that maybe there's been a disarmament, uh, a worldwide disarmament and so forth. But I think the best explanation, it talks about swords and shields and, and so forth, 
The best explanation is that if God told Ezekiel to write down they're going to come in as a flood in tanks and armored vehicles and airplanes, Ezekiel wouldn't have known what any of that was. Nor the people of his day would have known what any of that is. So they used the terms of warfare that they had in that day to describe the warfare that and what it would, looks like in our day, or when this will actually come to pass. Verse 16, And thou shalt come up against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days, and it will bring thee against my land, that the heathen may know me, and that I may be sanctified in their eyes, O God, before their eyes. This is happening so God can show his power to the world. And many people will be saved uh, because of these events. Now, jump down to verse 20. My time's getting away. <coughs> verse 20. So that the fish, there's going to be a great earthquake, a great shaking, verse 19 says. A great shaking in the land of Israel. Last of verse 19. Verse 20. So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the air and the beasts of the field and the creeping things that creep upon the earth and all the men that are upon the face of the earth shall shake at my presence. He's going to shake the whole world this time in this great earthquake at the end of the tribulation period. And... Uh, and the mountains shall be thrown down, and steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. And I will call for a sword against him, that is against Gog, and, and this Russian alliance, throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord, uh, saith the Lord God. And then he says, every man's sword shall be against his brother. One of the things that's going to happen is there's, he's, he's going to lead another army in, which I think is the Western Alliance, which will be led by Antichrist. But also, the, the alliance are going to turn on each other. There's going to be a confusion. And we've seen this in the armies of the Old Testament a few times when God caused confusion and they killed each other. I wrote this down verse by verse, I mean word for word, uh, of something I heard on the news just last night. It says, the Russians were confused. They're hearing some of the things the Russians are talking to each other. The Russians are confused, and one person driving a tank, I think it was, said this, and now I'm quoting exactly, we don't know who to shoot. They all look just like us. Well, they are just like each other. And so, it's ha that to some extent is happening now. It will happen to a great extent in this final battle. Uh, let's see, where am I at? Shaking of the presence uh, and verse 21. Every man's sword shall be turned against his brother. Last part. Verse 22. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands, upon his armies, and upon the many people that are with him, an overflowing rain and great 
hailstones, fire and brimstone. Great hailstones. Now, as I said, the word Armageddon is only used once, but the battle is spoken of in many times. In Revelation 16, this end-of-time battle is described for us, and it speaks about the, the giant earthquake, and it speaks about the hailstones. But in the book of Revelation, we're told how what those hailstones weighed. Chapter 16, verse 21. They weighed 100 pounds each. Now, if you've got a newer translation, they, they actually put the 100 pounds in the newer translations, but if you have a King James, it will say a talent. But a weight, a talent in the sense of a weight in that day was 100 pounds. Can you imagine a hailstone that weighs 100 pounds? Can you imagine the devastation of that? Think about the last hailstorm you saw and these little pellets were coming down, little balls were coming down and hitting maybe your pavement and jumping up and they were as big as a BB or maybe you've seen them as big as a marble. That's pretty big. Sometimes people say they get as big as a golf ball. But a bowling ball weighs 16 pounds. Can you imagine how big this hailstones would be if they weighed 100 pounds. And when a hailstorm comes, they just fall right beside each other, just like rain. Can you imagine the whole land covered with... Well, that'd be devastating, wouldn't it? And then also fire and brimstone. Verse 23. This is not a feel-good message, is it? I can tell by the way y'all are looking at me like, oh, wow. Look at verse 23. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. I am the Creator. I am the Sovereign One. I am the Almighty. And so, we have then this chapter 38, kind of a quick overview of this chapter 38. Now, I want us to look at the screen for a moment, and I've got to move really quickly here. You, you'll have to forgive me. Uh, look at uh, these ancient names. I've already mentioned them some, so I'm just going to run through them. Uh, Magog is Russia, and uh, Meshach is, some people believe, is Moscow, or in that area of Moscow. Tubal is Tubalsh. And uh, Gomer is western Turkey. As I said, some people believe that to be Germany. And, uh, and then uh, Togarma is eastern Turkey, where Gomer was western Turkey, and this is eastern Turkey. And then Persia, which is Iran, Iraq, and Afghanistan today. And uh, Ethiopia is, not, is the Sudan uh, today. And... Uh, and then Libya is not only where Libya is today, but it would also in ancient times include Algeria, uh, if we were to look on a map, a modern map. Now, let's put this in motion if we can a little bit. You see where Israel is, that's the center of everything. And uh, you see where Russia is, that whole top section all the way across that map. And uh, you see the Ukraine. Now, 
the Western alliance will be the revived Roman Empire. Daniel, of course, talks about that and the book of Revelation. And uh, it will cover Europe. And uh, this will be the Western alliance. This alliance will be led by the Antichrist. The first three and a half years, he's simply going to be the greatest political leader of all time. And uh, he'll be loved. He'll bring peace, even with Israel. Uh, but then, of course, at the midway point of the tribulation period, he reveals who he really is. He's a monster, indwelt by Satan himself and empowered to work miracles by Satan. So there's the Western Empire. Then you have the Northern Alliance. And uh, the Northern Alliance will cover not only Russia, but it will cover down, as you see, down further south, all of Turkey and Iran and Iraq and those nations as well. And then the Southern Alliance will be uh, in this area right here, Egypt and Sudan and that we just read about. And then, though it's not mentioned in our text today, uh, there, will be a, um, there will be an Eastern Alliance as well. And Daniel... Uh, chapter 11 talks about this, uh, or Revelation 16, I'm sorry, we'll talk about this Eastern Alliance. Now let me put some words in there. You should be able to read these words okay from the auditorium. The people watching online in the next service won't, won't be able to see them too well. So Magog is Russia. Meshach and Tubal, and then you have uh, the, these uh, names that are representing Turkey and then Iran, Iraq, and so forth. And so this makes up the Northern Alliance. And then the Southern Alliance is, I put Egypt in there. Egypt is not mentioned in the chapters, two chapters in front of us. But Egypt is mentioned as being a part of this in Daniel chapter 11. And then you have Ethiopia and Sudan, and then you have Libya and Algeria. And then, the kings of the east are China, would be the number one king, of course, who, who is, China's the, you know, number one threat in the world today, uh, probably more so than, than uh, Russia, even with what Russia's doing right now. And so all of these, during that last three and a half years, are going to come against Israel. Uh, and we'll maybe express some of these things uh, these things in the timeline who does what when in these remember it's going to take three and a half years so when does Russia attack when does China attack and so forth and, and uh, I'm going to go over that next week now the war will probably last three and a half years what makes me think that well one is they were at peace when it happens so it has to be the sometime in the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. Remember the tribulation period is divided into two parts, first half, second half, both of them with 1260 days or 42 months. The Bible gives us those exact figures. And uh, so somewhere at the, during that first half. Now how do we know it lasts the whole way? Because what we have in front of us here describes the exact same things that Revelation describes just before the Lord's coming. And that's the battle, closes with the battle of Armageddon. So it has to start while they're at peace, 
and it has to end right before the Lord's coming. So this battle will last three and a half years as such. Uh, here's the time frame on wars. Uh, the Iraqi war, 13 years, Vietnam 20, and uh, Korea 3. World War II lasted 6, and World War I 4, and World War III, if that's what it is. The War of Armageddon will last three and a half years. So again, wars take time and they, they develop over a period of years and so will this one. Now, I use the term World War III. A lot of scholars use that. That's not necessarily correct because we could have a World War III right now with what Putin has started and, uh, and still not be the final war of mankind. We could have a World War IV and a World War V, and maybe this Armageddon War will be World War VI. I don't know. We don't know that. But scholars lean towards thinking the next big world war will bring on the War of Armageddon. So uh, three and a half years, the war will take the lives of 1.7 billion that's a quarter of the world's population. We find that in Revelation 6. I've got to move really quick. Let me show you these wars. Uh, the Iraqi war, you see how many people died. Now, you might, if you, when you look at these figures, you might say, well, that's not the same figures I've seen in other places. That's true. Most of the time, when we talk about casualties of war, we talk about American casualties. But these casualties are... Uh, who we were fighting against and anybody that got in the way. These are total casualties or deaths. Uh, Vietnam, uh, 1,300,000. By the way, uh, Greg, sometime before the next service, how about pushing those, somehow my numbers got off on this screen and that, and that screen before. Excuse me for that little commercial. And then uh, the Korean War was 5 million. The World War II was 60 million people lost their lives. World War I, 17 million. But in the War of Armageddon, it will be 1,700,000. Now you might say, Preacher, how did you come up with that figure? I'm glad you asked. I'm, I'm going to show you. Turn with me in your Bibles now to Revelation chapter 6. Revelation chapter 6. I'm glad I didn't decide to include chapter 39 today too, aren't you? We would have been here till dinner. Revelation chapter 6, we have the opening of the seals, the seal judgments, but also the first four seal judgments are the horsemen of the apocalypse. And I think these four horsemen give us an overview of the whole tribulation period. And so, let's, let's look at this uh, quickly. He says in verse 1, And I saw when uh, the Lamb opened one, that's one of the seals, one of the seals, I heard as it were a noise of thunder. Jump down to verse 2. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat upon it had a bow, uh, a, uh, and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer now Jesus comes back on a white horse but that is later uh, 
this white horse is the Antichrist. And uh, he's, he's conquering and uh, gathering people to himself. This is the first half of the tribulation period, three and a half years of that false peace. It is, it is a peace, but it's a peace that is going to be shattered. So in that sense, it's a false peace. And he's coming to conquer. And then uh, uh, verse 4, we see the second one. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him and, he, and uh, that set thereon to take peace from the earth. So what takes peace from the earth? War. So this red horse of the apocalypse is war. So first you have the Antichrist, then you have war. And I think that war will start at the middle of the tribulation period. And then uh, it take away peace from the earth and they shall kill one another. That is with, with a sword or with weapons. They shall kill each other in this, in this warfare. And then he says when he opened the third seal, he saw a black horse in verse 5. And uh, verse 6 says that a measure of wheat will sell for a penny in three measures of barley. That speaks about real high prices of uh, food and uh, that sometimes is a result of, of war and, uh, and famine coming from that and so that's the third the black horse is famine and then uh, look at verse 7 it says there's a fourth seal and verse 8 explains that and look and beheld a pale horse and his name the name and his name that set upon him was death, and hell followed with him. And the power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill. So a quarter part of the world is going to die during the tribulation period. They're going to die with sword. There's war. They're going to die with hunger. There is uh, uh, famine and then they're going to die with death which covers anything else and even with beast of the earth they're going to die now I've really got to move quick how did I come up with that number 1.7 billion well right now on earth there's about 8 billion people a little less than that about uh, 7 billion 800 million something like that but I rounded it up to 8 billion so, so we could think, think it through. 8 billion. Well, the rapture's going to take place before any of this happens. The rapture's going to take place. So I just estimated a billion people who are born again all around the earth and all the countries of the earth are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? You and I are going to be in that. That's the reason we don't have to worry about being in this last war or seeing those... 100 pound uh, hailstones coming down because we're going to be caught up. So take away a, a billion, that leaves 7 billion. You divide 7 billion by 4 and you get basically 1.7 rounding it. Uh, so 1.7 billion people will die during that time frame. Notice quickly your screen again. And Jesus said this, and maybe I should just stop right here. 
Let me, uh, well, let's read. For nations shall rise against nation, Jesus said, when they ask him, what shall be a sign of your coming back? And he says, there will be famines and pestilence. The word pestilence there can't, could be translated pandemics. Have you heard of a pandemic recently? There shall be pandemics and earthquakes in various places. This is the beginning of sorrows or troubles or tribulation. Just before that, he says, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See, not, see that you're not troubled. All of this is going to happen, but he tells us not to be troubled. Because you and I are not going through this. We're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Amen? So don't be troubled. These things must come to pass. And then Jesus went a step further. In John 15, he, 16, he says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. He wants us to have peace, even when the world is shaking with concern and pain. He wants us to have peace. Then he goes on to say, In the world you shall have tribulation. Now, we're not going to go through the tribulation, but you and I are going to have some tribulation. That word means troubles, problems, burdens, and so forth. Life's full of those, aren't they? Some of you right now are going through a time of tribulation or, or sorrow or um, heavy burdens. So he says, in the world, these things are going to happen. But he says, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer means have joy in your heart. Be enjoying life. Be rejoicing. Be of good cheer, for I've overcome the world. And he's living in us. I see him smiling. I don't, I don't know this. I just pictured in my mind. He said, now you're going to have trouble and tribulation and problems, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. Bow with me, please. Father, thank you for this wonderful prophecy and I pray that you will speak to our hearts through it today if there are people here today who have never trusted you as Savior I pray they will do so before it is too late we ask it in Christ's name Amen Amen uh, we're not going to play an invitation I'm sorry I went so long we won't have time for Harley's part Dr. Miller you come